Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Welcome to the season of Epiphany. The season of Epiphany comes with a new sermon series entitled Stay Curious. If Advent was about expectation and anticipation, then Epiphany is about exploration and discovery. Our hope is that we are shaped during Advent to be good waiters, people who wait well. Our hope during Epiphany is to be people who are shaped to discover and learn more and more about who this God is and what it means to be a God follower. So welcome to the season of Epiphany. The season of Epiphany is kicked off, as you know, probably on January 6th when we celebrate, remember, that the Magi came. People from a completely different faith tradition come to pay their respects to this one they now understand to be king. And the, the point is made pretty clearly. This God in Christ is king of all peoples, all traditions, all parts of the corn, all parts of the planet, all fall under the lordship of this one, Christ. That was this week, Wednesday, January 6th. Something else happened on January 6th this week. You saw it, I saw it. Perhaps people forgot it was Epiphany because of the nightmare that was playing out on the screens in front of us. In response, the Church of the Nazarene, our leadership, encourages us to pray. Absolutely. We must pray and fast. We must ache for our country. Absolutely. Now, there will be many of us, your pastor included, who will do more than pray. I will get involved. I will get involved in conversations. I will get involved in hopefully maximizing whatever God-given influence I have. I want to do more, but I also want to make sure that I do so with the right posture. Yeah, for those of us who are going to do more, that's great and all, but you have to do it as someone who has been baptized, someone who is living up to and into baptismal vows. The question I'm asking myself this week, as I get involved, will I behave as one who has been baptized? Because a baptized person should be different, right? Unique, right? Uniquely set apart, uniquely shaped, uniquely resourced. And our baptisms are meant to communicate that and more as we undertake this strange way of life. I've always said this to you, I'll say it again. Being a Christian is a strange way to be alive. Being baptized is a strange way to be alive. And this week, more than ever, underscores the need for people to go out there and live strange lives as the baptized. And today, each of us who will, will have opportunity to renew those baptismal vows. The ones given voice in the baptistry. Over the last 20 some odd years, everyone, each of you baptized in the baptistry has heard the same question. Have you turned away from sin and all that keeps you from being who God has designed you to be? The first Sunday in Epiphany is always Baptism of Christ Sunday. And hopefully in exploring the Baptism of Christ today, I'll learn something more about my own baptism. I want to make sure that I'm renewing the right vows in the right way. 
And so I will go back through three of the four texts that you have heard today, three relatively familiar texts, ending, though, with the creation text, the one that you heard first. And I know you've heard it dozens, if not hundreds of times before, but my hope today is that we'll all hear it a little bit differently today, perhaps as a baptism text, one that helps us to live up to and into those vows. But we will start with Jesus. John the baptizer appears in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. This is the baptism of John, repentance and forgiveness. But it's a mistake to limit the impact of John's call to an individualistic understanding of faith. Certainly it was personal, but it was not individualistic. You were being prepared for the kingdom that was now at hand, embodied in Christ. That kingdom was coming in Christ, and not everyone will be ready, says John, but only those who will have prepared their hearts using these tools of repentance and forgiveness. But John himself knows that there is something more than what he is offering in the water. His is only a first step. He understands that Christ will complete, complete baptism. This will be the first time of many times I will ask you this question as I ask myself this question. Is my baptism complete yet? Have I done what I need to do in order to complete my baptism? John says this, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I know a lot of people who stop after the baptism of John. Here's what this looked like. I have asked for and received forgiveness for my sins. And there are some people who believe that that is the sum total of the experience of faith. Once I have done that, and that is an important step, hear me say that. But once I have done that, I've done all that Christ wants me to do. But John would say to you, no, 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 that's, that is a good first step, but there is something more. Yes, There is some semblance of ceremonial cleanliness that happens in the water, but there is something, though, more that happens when Christ comes and invades your life, the definitions of all the most important words, your trajectory. When you allow Christ to invade all of it, there's something more than just confession and repentance. In fact, what happens then is that the kingdom of God is furthered through you. God's divine plan to reclaim and restore everything. You become a working piece in that plan as you take on and complete your baptism. Verse 10. Verse 9. In those those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Watch this. A completion of the baptism here happens. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart. And the spirit descending like a dove on him, and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. A completed baptism. Not only had Christ answered the call to be set apart and cleansed, but now, having made himself available, the heavens were torn apart, and the spirit came to rest on him and on his entire life. 
This is a terrible metaphor, and I apologize ahead of time for it, but you need both doses of the vaccine, amen? Stop thinking about it, okay, because it's going to break down after that, but you need both, I'm just telling you. (laughs) Similarly, don't stop with John's baptism. Persist. Persist and receive the baptism of Christ. Because not everybody completes their baptism. Listen to the testimony of these young believers in Ephesus. Paul passed through the interior regions and came to Ephesus where he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you came believers? And they replied, "Uh, no. We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And then Paul, you can just kind of see him scratching his head. Well, then what did you think you were doing? Into what then were you baptized? Were you just baptized into this deep sense, as important as it is, that you were forgiven? And again, that's important, but it's just half, maybe not even half, of the story. They answered, well, I mean, we did what John told us to do. We were baptized into John's baptism. And Paul said, okay, well, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, like he said, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, That is, in Jesus. Verse 5. On hearing this, they realized that they had not yet completed their baptism. And they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Here it is. It's being completed now. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Altogether, there were about 12. Now, understand the meaning of the manifestation of these gifts. They were not new superpowers to improve any person's resume before God, but this indicated real inclusion in the mission of God, complete with the necessary resources to communicate the heart of God and to discern the movement of God. Not completing your baptism is like blocking out your wedding day and showing up but then not getting married. Not completing your baptism is like clearing your calendar for swimming lessons and showing up and then refusing to get in the water. In the waters of baptism, we aren't just set aside, but we are set aside for a specific purpose. More specifically, we are set aside for a specific someone. We are meant to say a yes that accomplishes much, that we would be so taken that everything would change. Our Christian history indicates that it changes our names, our self-definition, our association, our purpose, all of us and each of us. And so now what if I told you that Genesis 1 is a baptism passage and can be used to help us understand Baptism, to help us determine whether or not we are stuck in the process somewhere, having the baptism of John but not yet the baptism of Jesus. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep. While a wind could have been translated breath, could have been translated, could have been translated spirit of God, swept over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Now, watch this. 
Creation was organized to reflect the glory of God, the character of God, the purposes of God. A Wesley Covenant renewal service is designed to do the same thing in order to organize us to reflect the glory of God, the character of God, the purposes of God. But the baptism of John will not get you there. It's a great first step, and you should all take it. We should all take it. I have taken it. But it's not enough. To make ourselves available to the baptism of Christ, to allow the wind, the breath, the Spirit of God to completely reorganize us, each of us and all of us taken together, and bring new life for us and for creation around us, that's why we are here today. In the baptism of John, I declare my intention to belong. But in the baptism of Christ, I belong, and I now live into and up to and enjoy the covenantal relationship extended to me. That's what makes this vow renewal. Kelly and I, a few years ago, renewed our vows beside a small little pond in Ireland with friends of ours from the Methodist tradition who understand the power of renewing vows and with our friend, our, our adopted granddad, and my mentor, Dr. Walt Crow. These three ministers read lines, and we heard them, received them, and renewed our vows. For the sake of the marriage, not just for the sake of the day. I hope that makes sense. For the sake of the ongoingness of the marriage, not just for the sake of the moment, as beautiful as it was. I want more than the baptism of John. I want what John the Baptist himself wanted, the baptism of Christ. I too will make myself available in the hopes that the same wind, breath, spirit that brought life and order to creation will continue to bring life and order to my existence and then through me bring life and order to all the creation that God might be able to reach through me, through us. What about you? Have you yet completed your baptism?